Alright, and welcome back to Rebel With A Cause. I am your host, Eric, and joining me online is John, who just got back from Hong Kong. Uh, he went there to uh, do some first aid work and to document uh, some of the stuff that was going on. Uh, John, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, not a problem at all. I was, um, I had noticed that uh, I did get some downloads in Hong Kong, and I was uh, <laughs> kind of afraid what happened actually happened, where the violence kind of broke out. So uh, were you there on the ground when uh, at the Polytech University, or were you elsewhere in the city? I was at Polytech University at the beginning of it, but I was able to leave... I wouldn't say, but after we were completely surrounded, I was still, I was able to escape, hmm. but it, but I wasn't there for too long. Like when things got really bad, I was already gone. Oh, okay. So, uh, was that like a little bit before the uh, police started coming down there with uh, big armored vehicles and things? No, no, no. I, I was, I was there for that. Oh, you was there for that? Okay. Um, so I guess at, at that point, I know that they were, what were they doing? Like gluing bricks down to the road to try and stop vehicles from crossing and barricading up the uh, the entranceways? So regarding the bricks, most of the sidewalks in Hong Kong is made out of bricks. So it's, so they, they're just basically using their environment. They're, they sometimes glue bricks to the road but they generally don't do that because of how mobile they have to be so generally they just throw as many bricks as they can onto the road to block any armored vehicles from getting in but they use just whatever is in their environment to create these huge blockades yeah and i could see that in some of the pictures i think they had like um just like you could see like fencings and like signs and stuff just kind of being piled up kind of try to create as much of a barricade as they could. Yeah, against the against all, the police vehicles, essentially. Yeah. Um, now, uh, from what I can tell, all of this kind of started with, a, with an extradition law. Was it just that one piece of legislation that they were trying to pass, or was it other stuff? And then the, legi- I mean, the extradition I, was like the final thing. The extradition was definitely the spark that lit the flame, but there was a lot of buildup over really 20 years that led to this. So, I mean, to start out, you have to understand that Hong Kong was not always part of China. Right. It was a, I mean, uh, belonged to the, it was like a British colony there for a little bit. I think until like yeah, 1997. For, yeah. For 99 years. Hong Kong was a British colony, and under the British rule, it became this from this small fishing village to the free, well, the most prosperous place on earth. And I'm not, I would say the richest place on earth, and also the freest place on earth. It has the most free markets on earth. Right. And people have been living under this freedom, and they. And now that they're under China, they understand that they may be losing all of these rights. So in 1997, the British gave the British colony back to China because that was the agreement that they made hundreds of years back. And China eventually 
got it back, but under the agreement, they said that Hong Kong will have its own government for 50 years. Basic, so it will still be considered part of China, but it will have its own government. It will have its semi-autonomous region. But over the years, China has been doing everything it can to erode the, the autonomy of Hong Kong. Okay, and, so like basically uh, just kind of creeping in just a little bit here and a little bit there, but at the end it kind of adds up type of thing, right? Yeah, essentially. Hmm. Uh, it seems to be the uh, the tactics of uh, tyrants all over the world. We're just going to take a little bit and a little bit and then a little bit more, and then finally before you realize it, you know, then they, then they have you. Um, yeah. So, and... Uh, was the uh, the Kowloon Walled City like part of Hong Kong at one point, or was that just uh, somewhere else in China? No, Kowloon. Kowloon is part of Hong Kong. Kowloon it's is like part a, of Hong Kong. Okay. It's a it's like a it's like a suburb inside of Hong Kong. Okay. Um, now I kept hearing Kowloon uh, when I was kind of uh, thumbing through some news reports and everything. I, I guess that's uh, kind of in the area with the uh, with the uh, the Polytech University. Or, or is that yeah. a different area? Oh, it's all kind of the same area? Okay. Man. I mean, I mean, Hong Kong is a city, but it's like broken. But like there's different suburbs and stuff inside of Hong Kong. Right. And Kowloon is one of them. Oh, okay. So it'd be like a, what we would think of like a, a borough like in New York City where, you know, you've got the Bronx and Brooklyn and stuff like that. Yeah, essentially. That's how it is. Okay. Um, now during your first aid work, um, were you there just like, uh, teaching people paramedics or were you there specifically for the, uh, the protests? I mean, I was there specifically for the protests. Okay. All right. And, uh, there was one news story I saw today where they were specifically, the police were specifically trying to round up the, uh, people there doing first aid. Uh, Paul, you? Yeah. Yeah. They were uh, trying to capture people as um, if they were like trying to bandage somebody up or trying to get them off of the street or whatever. They were trying to arrest those people first, uh, I guess, as a way of, you know, a, a scare tactic, more or less. It's like, ha, we got your your medics. So if you get injured, you know, there's going to be nobody there to help or something like that. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it was a terrible situation. I was, uh, you know, kind of just looking on it at all. I was like, oh, I, I couldn't even imagine just being there. Um you know, we like to, you know, back here we like to joke about the boogaloo, but I mean, this is essentially going on right now, you know. But um, so, um, day one of the of the protests, um, did you think it would get violent, or did you think they would just stop the legislation and maybe come you, back to the discussions or anything like that? Do you mean the first day I got there, or the first day the protest started? Oh, uh, the first day the protest started. The first day the protest started, it for the first few months, it was actually extremely peaceful. There wasn't any violence, really. Okay. It was, I mean, what really happened was the first major protest, one million people showed up. Yeah. The second protest, two million people showed up, which was over 25% of the population. Wow. And that is the biggest um, protest ever. In compared to the population of the country in human history, because Hong Kong has seven million people, yeah, and two million showed up. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I kind of remember back in the '90s with the uh, with the Million Man March and everything, and they didn't even get close to a million. But um, you know, you're trying to imagine two million people being on the street at the same time, and uh, I think there's probably some pictures of that second protest. I mean, you couldn't even see pavement. You know, there was just people everywhere. Um, yeah. So I mean, trying to imagine that. Uh, in a major downtown area anywhere, you know, it, it, you almost have to say, and this just kind of started, you know, there wasn't no, uh, you know, email campaign or whatever. It was just kind of, nope, well, we're going to go down there and protest this and we're going to do it right now. And we're just going to knock on neighbor's doors and everything and get them to come along with us, you know, type of thing. Um, but so when did the uh, police start ratcheting up the, uh, the aggression or was that just, Kind of something I mean, that was going to boil over anyway. I mean, and so the third protest, there was 1.7 million. But as they kept going on week after week, they would come out. And then the, the police would, originally, these would be all legal protests. Like you have in Hong Kong, you have to file to um, do a protest. Right. And so eventually the government just stopped giving out permits to do protests and people would show up anyways to peacefully protest. And the police would label these protests illegal assemblies, which you can go to prison for. Yeah. And they would just crack down hard on these protests. And like these, these are, it would still be peaceful. And then they would go out the next week and then the police would crack down hard and they'd run away, and then the next week they'd come out, and the police would crack down hard, and they would run away. And as, and around about so this that's one part of it, and the next part of it, Carrie Lam also said like in a press conference that these protesters, which mind you have the support of the majority of the population, right, um, have no stake in, in society. They are cockroaches, and no matter how much they'll protest they will make no difference. Hmm. And so, I mean, so they, that's Carrie Lamb essentially saying peaceful protests won't do anything. And, and so eventually it got to the point where people were at these illegal assemblies and the police would crack down hard. And eventually the protests just decided, no, we're not going to deal with this. We're going to fight back. And that's when it quickly deteriorated into violence because the protesters would start fighting back against the police. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of reminded of the uh, the John Kennedy quote. You know, those who make peaceful revolutions, uh, uh, I'm going to inevitable. Up. Yeah, inevitable. You know, are going to make a a violent revolution inevitable. There's something to that effect, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're getting out and calling people cockroaches, you know, now you're demonizing uh, a group of people who just don't like the laws that are being passed. Uh, yeah. I mean, Carrie Lam is like the president, essentially, of yeah. Hong Kong, like the chief executive. Her approval rating right now is 15%. And you got to think that those numbers are probably doctored a little bit. Uh, yeah. Given the mess that she has on her hands now, but... Uh, uh, so it was just basically a, a, a ratcheting up, um, from the police, you know, they're going to get a little bit, a little bit harder. 
every time that they have a protest. And then finally, it's just it's just going to boil over to what we see uh, in the last couple of days um, with bows and arrows and Molotov cocktails and catapults and everything. Um, what was the majority of the injuries that you helped with? I mean, was it just um, you know people getting hit with batons or were they firing uh, bullets or anything like that into the crowds? I mean – they de- they definitely shoot tear gas into the crowds, which is really nasty, especially the yeah. the new Chinese made ones that burn through cement. Mm. I so, mean, it's yeah, it's pretty nasty, and they also shoot rubber bullets, sponge rounds, and they have shot live rounds before, but they rarely ever resort to that. Pepper spray, just like the normal riot gear tactics, but. They use them excessively. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw some video of. Uh, uh, I mean, they're all up in the riot gear and they got the shields and everything, and you know they kind of use the shields to kind of separate people from from one another, and then they'll just start hammering them with the uh, with the batons and everything. Um, I, I can't imagine there would be a lot of that, but uh, you know the trying to use uh, like actual live ammunition. Um, I think I've only seen a few instances of that, and I, I don't know if that's restraint or if they're just trying to keep it uh, from escalating to a point where they can't come back. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was like the majority of the uh, the injuries that you saw was, uh, you know, CS. Uh, were they using like a powder or was it a, a smoke? It was a smoke. Was a and smoke. Yeah, okay. the, the majority of the injuries. I mean, the, the majority of what I treated was um, tear gas, essentially. I, and and actually, the, most of the people that I treated were not protesters, but civilians. Yeah, just people who happened to be there um, uh, the, on the sidelines. Well, I mean, were they just actively watching, or were they just kind of going about their day trying not to get too involved it, with it? It was mo- it was mostly them just going about them day their day and. The police would just like shoot at them, and the tear gas would go into their face. And mm. I mean, tear gas stings. Yeah, it's it's not a picnic. I I went through um, basic training in the army, and um, uh, the stuff that they use was uh, pretty intense. And uh, some of the CS gas grenades they uh, emit a powder instead of a, a smoke. So if it lands on your skin, it's going to start burning. You know, you're going to inhale it, and it's just going to stick uh, to the mucous membranes inside your lungs and everything else. It's uh, not a picnic, especially if you're not, you know, <laughs> psychologically prepared for it. If you're just trying to go down and, and, you know, buy some lunch or just get, you know, just walk from one area to another to go to to a friend's house. And then all of a sudden, you know, now you're hit with uh, CS. It's, yeah, ah, man, that's terrifying. Yeah, I mean, there was a recent study that showed 88% of the Hong Kong population has been affected by the tear gas. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Just the wind's just going to blow it all over the place. And you're probably not even anywhere near, and you're going to catch a little bit of it. Yeah, I'm not sh- I'm not sure the exact amount of tear gas they've used, but it's like 6,000 6, rounds of tear gas. Mm. I mean, that, that, that's, that's the last time I checked, is yeah. they've shot 6,000 rounds of tear gas the police have. Damn. Um, and with any kind of city environment, I mean, basically, it's... 
you know, that's a, a wind tunnel when you're down on the street because the uh, the buildings are all going to kind of force wind from one area to another. So I, I, that's just a nightmare waiting to happen. Uh, yeah, it really is. Yeah. So uh, how long were you there? I mean, was it just a was a few months or six months? No, I was only there for a couple of weeks. Only there for a couple of weeks. Okay, so I mean, <laughs> I mean, you got pretty much all of it there in just a short amount of time. Um, now, when you say you, you escaped, uh, we saw some stories today where people were, like, trying to get down into uh, drainage from the buildings, uh, you know, kind of rappelling off of the sides, trying to trying to find their way to vehicles. Uh, how did you make your way out of the, uh, the university? How did I make my way out of the university? Yeah, how did you, how'd you get out um, of there? I, I, like, there wasn't no, like, super exciting escape. But, like, I mean, we we were just out, happened to go out at the right time. Okay, so, like, uh, uh, police were, like, regrouping or whatever, and you'd use that opportunity to, to kind of slip away type of thing? Yeah, so, okay. basically, basically, I mean, we went out, like, this super narrow alleyway out Polytechnic, and surprisingly, we didn't have any confrontations with the police. But there was two medic groups that that tried to escape. We were we were part of the first one. The second group of medics that followed right behind us, like five to fifteen minutes after, they all got arrested. Yeah, so it was like uh, so they, they realized what was happening, <laughs> I guess, and then moved in on the second group. Yeah. Now that's, uh, but like, but like, but like, if if we delayed by like. 10 minutes I would be arrested right now yeah and uh, looking back on it I mean you can pretty much feel as lucky as you can get I mean that they uh, weren't watching an area for a little while and just that uh, you know almost split second you know you could have been one of the ones that were just uh, zip tied up and thrown in the back of a truck or something but um, um, yeah and and the penalty is 10 years in prison (laughs) Yeah, ten ten years in a Chinese prison, which I which I'm thinking would make American prisons look like a like a resort almost. Um, I hear, hear some horror stories about the the Chinese uh, penal system. Yeah. Um. Now on the on the side of the protesters was the um, I had saw some just some stories where you know protesters would kind of instigate a little bit. I mean, did you see a lot of that or? Could you tell, you know, if somebody was just taking advantage of the situation to do something? Um, I don't. They're the protesters have definitely been violent. They are very coordinated in where they initiate violence. Like for example, they destroy shops, mm-hmm. but but they only destroy shops that are CCP fronts. Like you'll see, they'll like go in and burn a shop down to the ground. Right. And you'll notice that that all of the other shops on the street is completely untouched, and like you'll see the protesters buying from them and all of that. Okay, so I mean it's pretty well known which ones the the Chinese government use, and uh, yeah, there's 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 actually websites and apps that show you. Yeah, that that brings up another thing. Um, you know, you hear all the time about uh, Chinese censorship of the uh, of the internet there. Um, but then you start reading all these stories about people being in contact with each other with, uh, with apps and everything. I mean, how are they able to get that? Or are they just, uh, 
you know, getting pretty crafty on downloading yeah. stuff. So the main, I would say, like the main messaging app that a lot of the protesters use is called Telegram. Yeah, it's an encrypted end-to-end uh, messaging service, but the protest is completely decentralized. Like the, it has no leaders, and so it's like essentially a mess network. One person decides, hey, let's all go here, and if people like that idea, they go there. But there is no leaders, right? Yeah, uh, I have Telegram on my phone, and we, um, you know, I just use it. You know, basically, if I'm, you know, texting back and forth with the wife, but you know, I've got to get like information <laughs> across. You know, I'm not going to put my social security number through a regular text message. I can do it through Telegram to do that. Um, but yeah, in China, I got to imagine, are they allowed to have Telegram, or was that uh, something that somebody got and then they just passed it out through the phones? So I think something you need to realize is that Hong Kong at this current moment is still has its own government. It's just being eroded away by China. So they still have the freedom of the Internet and all of that. Okay, so uh, well, Internet censorship isn't isn't as bad as it would be like in Beijing or something. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, that, that clears that up then. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, decentralized, there's no leaders. They just kind of... You know, one group will will take one part of the city. Another group will go to a different part of the city. Um, so, I mean, how did uh, the Polytech University kind of be like a focal point? Um, I, I'm not sure exactly. I mean, I don't know the history exactly behind why the university, all the university, the students decided to fortify the universities. I believe, don't quote me on this, is that police started getting search warrants to search through protesters' dorms. Oh, and that was okay. like one one part of the reason why they decided to fortify the universities. Another, I I believe, is just like because there's so many university students there and they have lots of protests on campus, that it was just a good and convenient spot for them to start taking territory. Yeah, kind of figuring if they had participated in protests before, they're probably going to do it again type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I saw one report that uh, a lot of Hong Kong's internet traffic kind of goes through that Polytech University, and uh, not poly, not Polytech University. It was not. It was CUHK. Okay. The so Chinese Chinese University of Hong Kong, and that was the first um, university that the police tried to see, to siege, but they failed on that one. Hmm. Okay. So maybe they were just uh, crossing up reports, I guess. Um, and uh, was the Polytech University, uh, I think I, when I was watching some of the video of it, there's like a bridge that kind of leads to one of the entrances uh, where they showed like the police vehicle getting a whole bunch of uh, Molotov cocktails thrown on it and everything. Is that Polytech or is, yeah. that, is that the other one? Yeah, that was at Polytech. There was there was a bridge that was on, that was behind the university. Okay. That they tried to sneak an armored vehicle into the campus through, but it didn't work out very well for them. <laughs> no, no, not according to that video. I mean, that <laughs> I, I was sitting there counting. You could see like the little fireballs and everything coming in, and it was like it was like, all right, I lost count after fifteen or so. <laughs> um, and I can only imagine the guys driving it were probably freaking out because now like half of their truck is on fire. But um, yeah, that, that was pretty crazy to watch. The um, 
the bows and arrows. Um, I had I had heard somebody was using 3D printers to kind of print some of that stuff up, but I I don't think that that's actually accurate. I think they probably were able to purchase that or um, or or get yeah, them some other ways. Yeah, I don't think I don't think having bows and arrows is illegal in Hong Kong. Okay, yeah, but it was a. Uh, I mean, you saw pictures of this, and they would just have rows and rows and rows of archers, and uh, one was like, "All right, uh, we're getting old school on them." Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, they did they did shoot the police with the bows and arrows. Yeah, yeah, that that was definitely sure they had. Um, uh, somebody was uh, making the joke because I think one of the, uh, the police officers uh, did actually take an arrow to the knee. So there were a whole bunch of Skyrim memes after that. Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, how accurate do you think uh, people were getting with the, uh, with the bows and arrows? I mean, was it just kind of put a whole bunch of arrows through the air and just kind of see what happens? Or, I mean, were they actually practicing I, it? I don't, think, I don't think very many arrows were actually shot. Okay, just like a few here and there. Yeah, I mean, only two police officers were hit, I believe. Okay, yeah. Uh, Molotov cocktails, I guess, was the other one, and you, you could see some like hastily built catapults and everything too. So, I mean, that's you know, quite ingenious. Yeah. They they were trying everything they could to defend the campus. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, they were using just parts and stuff that they were finding to build all this stuff. Um, yeah, parts and things that they could find out at the university. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, they, if they have a science department or an engineering department, I guess they uh, got a pretty good uh, supply there. Um, yeah. So as far as, um, I mean, you were there for a few weeks. Uh, you managed to get out of there. Uh, I mean, what was running through your head the whole time. I mean, were you just trying not to think about how much danger you could have been in, or was it just always just kind of like in the back of your mind? I mean, my biggest focus was really just like, was basically just on the job, essentially. I wasn't really super, I wouldn't say I was super afraid. I was more committed to the work, essentially. Like, yeah. there really isn't time for fear. I got to get these civilians out of the way and all of that. Yeah. Um, and I guess when you're dealing with CS, you're like trying to flush their eyes um, so that they can at least see where they're going so they can get out. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. I mean, you don't really have time to think about it. Um, I mean, did you have like a lot of downtime or I mean, were you just on call for a little <laughs> bit, take a nap and then come back up? But the first week I had, there were the first week that I was there, I had a lot of time. There's a lot of downtime, but the second week I was there, it was nonstop, twenty four seven. Like I was sleeping, I was sleeping on cardboard at the university, essentially. Hmm. So just, <laughs> I'm probably not sleeping for very long. I can only imagine that. Uh, I mean, if you were going twenty four hours a day, I mean, you probably would just like sleep for like what twenty thirty minutes at a time. I mean, did you have, did you have other help? Yeah, but, well, I mean, like, I mean, it was the I guess it was the eighth day at Poly U when the police really cracked down. But like, I I, I did have a team with me. 
for like most of the time that I was there in the beginning of the second week was just watching people fortify the universities. And I wasn't inside the university the whole time. I actually spent most of the time outside of the universities the second week. But I did actually sleep at the universities, which it was pretty interesting experience to basically like sleep in this makeshift military base. Yeah. Kind of hunkering down for a little bit. And then, um, I mean, uh, probably not sleeping for very long, I guess, if your team was running 24 seven. Yeah. Like they will like, if you, if you try to get into the university, the protesters would, they like set up the security team where they would search your bags. They would pat you down it's basically just to check if you're an undercover cop and they like have like this, they have super tight knit security. And you have to remember these are university students that are doing this. This isn't like military personnel. Right. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking. I was like, all right, so you have a bunch of untrained people who are just kind of doing it on the spot. Um, but yeah, I guess the, you know, looking out for, undercover cops trying to come in and get some arrests or maybe start something to, to get uh, cops to come in a little bit harder the next time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, even crazy, like once you got in, they provided places to sleep for everyone that was inside the university. The protesters set up everything. Yeah. They, there was protesters that were chefs that would serve food to everyone that was inside the university. Okay. So, I so mean, like the, you had a pretty good spot there to, uh, I mean, if you had food and water and beds and everything for everybody, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, no wonder that was, a uh, quite a spot for the focal point on both sides, you know, the protesters and the police. Yeah. Um, man. But I, I mean, like trying to imagine all that. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy to hear it, but I mean, you see the pictures, you know, I'm hearing your story and everything. That's, uh, I, 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 I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. Yeah, I mean, did you see? Did you see a little bit of what it's what it was like inside the universities before the police seized it? Um, I want to say I saw a report. Um, I mean, there was like students kind of going, you know, kind of hurriedly getting through the campus, and I don't know if that was like right before the police started coming there. But you can definitely tell they were, you know, had worried looks on their faces, like they were trying to get it set up as quickly as possible. But uh, not like um, like months before. No, I don't. I don't think I saw that. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't months before. It was only like they were setting it up over the course of a few days. But... Oh, okay, so it was like that quick. Yeah, that that footage must have been like you know a couple of days before then, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it, it it was just crazy. Like they literally set up their, not necessarily, well, essentially their own government, except without the like involuntary aspects of government. Essentially, yeah. Like I mean, everything in there was voluntary. They just set up all these commands, like trash systems. I mean, just headquarters, patrols. It was just, it was crazy how organized just a group of university students got. And like, you have to remember, these aren't trained personnel. These are university students. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, just using their smarts and just kind of going with uh, common sense. 
you know, and, and you see like hurricane response over here, and it can be chaotic. Um, and, you know, I couldn't even imagine like some of my neighbors and everything. It's like, okay, well, we all got to meet over here in the shelter, and then you people are going to check people at the doors, and then, you know, but there's no one person, I guess, in charge of all that. Yeah, but it, it's it's still decentralized, even inside the universities where they did set up a proto-government, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, was there, like, a uh, any kind of, like, meetings or anything to kind of discuss this, or are they just somebody just kind of stood up and said, yeah, we'll take care of trash, um, you know, moving stuff to the barricades and, and things like that. Or was it just, you know, you did have like a small committee that would decide things. I mean, I don't think there was essentially, there was actually meeting rooms, but I don't think there were, it was, there was necessarily a small committee. There was a main headquarter offices where people would go together and discuss next moves. But even that was decentralized. There wasn't no specific leader. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, you didn't really have time to, like, take a vote, I guess. I mean, you just kind of, it's like, yeah, yeah, this group is taking care of this job, and that group is taking care of that job, and they'll just do that until, you know, they either get arrested or the police back off. Um, um, Yeah, so we call that spontaneous order. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of amazing to see it in actual practice, but... um, Oh, man, I was uh, was thinking about something, and then I just kind of kind of dropped it there um all right so we know that the extradition order was just kind of like the last thing that kind of happened it's been going on since 1997 um was there any police that were kind of captured uh like dressing up like protesters or anything like that or were they not trying to do that okay they they definitely did quite a lot of that and a lot of times you see protesters beating up what i mean what chinese media will show protesters beating up what they call innocent civilians 99 percent of the time they're not innocent civilians they're undercover cops okay uh undercover cops or somebody working for the police that maybe live in that area was that uh or was it pretty much just all police it's it's mostly just undercover cops and so like to outsmart the police a lot of the times they the protesters would make um they would force their shirts into their pants, essentially. So they said all protesters now must push their short their shirts into their pants because all undercover cops have guns on them. Okay. And so by and so by and so the protesters so like protests were basically just going up with new new and new and better tactics again and again and again. So protesters would force like their shirts into their pants to try to catch undercover cops who didn't have their shirt in their pants and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a pretty ingenious way of doing that because um, you know if you're trying to carry concealed and you're starting to tuck your shirt in your pants, uh, yeah, you're gonna print the outline of the gun for sure because then the shirt's gonna be right up against your body, uh, and then you're not gonna want to do that, so you'll keep the the shirt tail out. Uh, so it'd be pretty quick to to see that, and I'm, uh, and even if the police catch on to that and they're starting to wear ankle holsters, I'm pretty sure the uh, protesters would have said, okay, we'll roll up your pant legs or something like that. Just, uh, <laughs> kind of going around. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it really is like a cat and mouse game between the police and the protesters. Like, I mean, like, and the, and the police are getting really, really dirty with their tactics. Like 
now so oftentimes like almost always whenever protesters blockade roads if an ambulance comes by they'll like completely clear the road let the ambulance through and put the blocks back on but now police have started hiding in ambulances and this is a new tactic they're now trying yeah um I want to say I saw some uh, video footage of that where you just see like this the a large crowd they part for an ambulance to get through and then the crowd just kind of fills back in. Uh, but that may have been early on before uh, they started yeah. throwing bricks and stuff in the road. Um, no, no, but I mean, that, that was probably during when they were throwing bricks on the road. That's what they started doing up until now, where now the police are using ambulances to get in with the protesters, which is honestly really horrible yeah yeah because that, that I mean, like outside of like the police using that's considered a war crime <laughs> yeah just a little bit um <laughs> um so they did uh find a whole lot of uh undercover police officers um and i don't i, I don't think the protesters were um too caught off guard by this uh like you said there had been protests in the past um so i'm i'm fairly certain there was a lot of lessons learned there and even older older people who weren't at the university like as students uh i can imagine they were probably giving them pointers and everything did you see any of that or was it just uh kind of the students just kind of taking it on as it came i mean there has been there was protests in 2014 but those protests all of them were extremely peaceful and these protesters these protests have specific leaders and as soon as the leaders were arrested one of them being joshua wong mm -hmm. um the protests basically died and one and because the protests are now decentralized it has no leader there is no specific people for the police to arrest and so that's why it can keep going and going yeah so even if somebody was kind of like uh, looked up to as a leader um, you know there's you know now a group of people that are doing it all on their own anyway so I mean it didn't really make a difference um, but yeah like you said I mean if you had one person in charge and then after they get arrested then it's kind of well there went that you know but um, uh, I mean do you see a peaceful end to this or do you think it's going to escalate from here I honestly don't. I don't know where this is gonna go. Like, on, on the one hand, the protesters are pretty exhausted. They've been going at this for five months now, right? And, and they do want, they do want some form of end to, end to this. But on the other hand, they are really willing to die for this. Like, I mean, like you don't really like understand until you're there. And right. you see what the protesters are doing, and you talk to them. But these protesters really are willing to die to keep their freedom. Yeah, um, I could see that in some of the uh, the speeches that they were giving, um, and they were doing it in English. And I know that's no accident. Um, you know, yeah. they, they would start quoting Martin Luther King, and um, uh, you know, start singing the uh, the you know the Star Spangled Banner. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and stuff like that. Well, and uh, well, I like to say like almost everyone in Hong Kong speaks English, right? Because they were a British colony, they speak both Cantonese and English. And I noticed like even a lot of Cantonese is their main language, but 
I would say they switch between the two quite easily. Yeah. Um, yeah, when I was seeing the, the, the video of them doing like a Martin Luther King Jr. speech, uh, I, I was kind of th- – I had it like in the back of my mind. I was like, okay, well, they're doing this in English because they know news cameras are there watching. Uh, and hopefully that will stir something going on over here in the States or in England. Uh, I've also seen a lot of British flags being flown around uh, too. Um, I mean, did you see a lot of that at the university or was um, – you know, yeah, I mean, the, what what they really wish like foreign nations would do, specifically Britain, mm-hmm. is give them an easy path to citizenship in case the Chinese start rolling in the tanks. Oh yeah, it's like, that, like they can get out of there and have somewhere that, to go. That's that's really like what they. That's one thing they really want is like in case. Hong Kong really is a lost cause. They need somewhere to go. And that's one of the ways Britain could help. And I think America should probably provide an easy path for citizenship for the people of Hong Kong as well. Yeah, I mean, they did that for Vietnamese citizens. I mean, come over to, like, Houston and Louisiana, there's a large Vietnamese population there because of that. Um, So, yeah, that could be done. Uh, and probably should be. Um, I mean, even just like the rest of Europe and and the rest of the nation should get in on that as well. I mean, I mean, when I do when I do ask like, what do you want to do? That's usually like one of the big things they say. They also say they wish different nations would, you know, provide economic sanctions against China. But they realize there's only so much that foreign nations can do. Right. Um, but they... Yeah, and, you know, economic sanctions, I mean, that's such an aggressive act, and, and I don't think people really think that through too much. Um, uh, I don't really I mean, that's see... Essen- that's, that's, that's essentially what the, free, the Human Rights and Democracy Act does. And that was the uh, the extradition law that we were talking about at the beginning. No, no, no. It's a, it was a bill that was recently passed by both the House and the Senate in America that essentially says if China d- doesn't doesn't start respecting Hong Kong's um, autonomy, they will they will pro- they will put economic sanctions on China. Oh, that must have happened um, yesterday or the day before that. I would imagine. Yeah, this this I meeting was passed by the Senate yesterday. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> it, it, pa- it passed unanimously in both the House and the Senate. Okay. Uh, well, I'll definitely have to find that story and and link it in the show notes. Then um, I probably have to read it myself because I, I think I kind of heard it in passing. Um, I thought it was more of a. All right. Well, the United States is with the Hong Kong protesters. More of like a like a virtue signal, you know, almost. But I guess it had a I little mean, more bite to it. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't really do it. I mean, in act, that's just... I mean, I would say, like, when you pass legislation, it isn't, we're with these people, it usually has something behind it. Yeah. But basically what it does, the State Department, the, the State Department determines whether that's being respected or not. 
Yeah. But also, also in the bill, it bans all riot equipment being sent to Hong Kong. Oh, so the U.S. was supplying riot equipment to the uh, Hong Kong police or the Chinese police? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that should have been stopped last week. Uh, <laughs> that should, yeah, that should never have happened in the first place. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, so I think, uh, you know, I'm kind of with you. I don't, I don't see where it's going to go, either peaceful or escalate further. I don't, I, I, I don't see this ending peacefully, but I mean, there, I do, I really don't see this ending peacefully. But I don't know whether this will escalate or not. Mm. So maybe because, uh, I mean, keep protesting to a to a stalemate almost until Britain or the United States start accepting people. Or um, no, well, they they want their five demands met. Okay. And they're not, and they're not going to start fighting till either the Chinese tanks start rolling in or the fire demands are met. Okay. Now that's that's a new one on me. What are the uh, the five demands? I mean, if you see if you see in the protests, they yell it usually in Cantonese, but they'll also yell it in English. Five demands, not one less. Five demands, not one less. The five demands is withdraw the extradition act, which was actually done. Okay. So the first demand was met. Second demand, provide an inquiry into police brutality. Basically, do an, do an investigation into police brutality against the protesters. Okay. All right. Relabel all of the... I mean, all, I mean, a lot of the protests that were labeled riots back to regular protests. Release the protesters from prison. And the fifth demand is have universal suffrage okay. which is the biggest one and that's so because the Hong Kong citizens have a say in what things go in their go- yeah. yeah in their government okay I gotcha um, because right now China chooses a lot of their leaders oh so it's almost like they're just kind of putting their puppets in there I guess like uh, Cammy Lam I think her name is yeah she was just kind of put in place and so I mean she was basically a Chinese puppet so they want the people of Hong Kong want to, don't want this Chinese influence in their government yeah and um, so yeah five demands not one less um, yeah that's a, that's the first one I remember hearing that they had demands I didn't know that they had actually kind of centralized um not really centralized, but kind of that was kind of their rallying cry. I mean, yeah, that is their rallying. That is like their main point. That's what they're focused most on. Okay. Wow, that's I, that's a lot to chew on there, John. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I'm glad you made it through safe. Uh, I'm glad you made it uh, through to help people. You know, get their um, eyes and everything flushed from CS. Help other people. Um, it's just a uh, it's a tough situation all the way around. Um, I true I truly hope that it does end peacefully, but uh, I think at this point it's probably reached the point of no return. Yeah. All right, John. Well, thank you for uh, joining me tonight. Um, I know this was kind of like short notice and thrown together really willy nilly. Uh, uh, I feel like I probably need uh, to do a lot more research on this. Um, but the, the information that you provided uh, 
as a somebody on the ground is, uh, I mean, that's uh, you know priceless information. You know, because news yeah. news media over here is like barely reporting on it, if at all. I mean, they'll kind of show like, um, you know, the picture of the truck getting the Molotov cocktails and say, yeah, rioters did this today and rioters did that today, but um, they're not really kind of going in depth on it. Yeah. All right, John. Well, uh, all right. I'll, I'll uh, link to a whole bunch of stuff uh, with the uh, the five demands and the news stories and everything, and hopefully it'll, it'll kind of give people a better idea of what's going on over there. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on, uh, and right. stay safe, okay? All right. Thanks for having me on. All right, John. Take it, take it easy. <laughs>